Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. You can slip your mask down really fast and smile, but then you got to put it right back up, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Smile. All right, put it back up, quick. So it's good to see everybody. You can go ahead and be seated. Just want to remind you that uh, same thing, the offering baskets in the back. And uh, if you need to use the restroom, knock on the door and make sure there's uh, no one in there so we can continue to uh, respect the guidelines that we've been following. And so um, it's good to be together. And we're also glad to have Brian McMillan with us today. Brian's here. And so uh, a couple people have been asking me questions. I told Brian questions about, you know, so when is the change going to happen? When are we going to... Oh, uh, close and start changing the building. I, my default to ask Brian. And I ask Brian questions every week. And then uh, we all know that with all that's going on with COVID and everything else, uh, we, we just can, we're just kind of going with the flow until we figure this out. So uh, is there anything I should share or I can share that you want to bring up? And then you'll, later you'll tell me if it was okay or not. So we do know that we, you know, Centerpoint, they've been talking to and interviewing different potential campus pastors. And uh, there is uh, a potential candidate that's uh, coming in first part of August. Um, I, I found him on the internet. He has red hair. And I told Brian, just like me, and Brian started laughing. He says, you don't have red hair. I said, well, I did. It's in my roots, you know, so, but be praying for that, you know, that we, uh, we, and so Centerpoint's been meeting together, their staff's been meeting together in person, and this Tuesday is our first official staff meeting since uh, we've been able to come back together, and I know Centerpoint's been meeting in person as well, and so uh, we will just continue to do what we've got to do, and thank God we live in a state that, uh, uh, by the grace of God, got the numbers down. Because uh, there really is, like somebody said, there's three New Yorks going on right now in the country. And so one of the things that you can be praying with us about and just praying for a decision I've got to make, uh, Kathy and I planned a trip to California at the end of August, which we are thinking we probably won't make at this point because of the quarantine issues. Um, but the other thing that we're looking at is that um, my dad is in the hospital uh, he has prostate cancer that's gone into the bones, and we have to deter- determine what that means. Of course, it could mean uh, a short time, could mean a number of years, and uh, I may need to make a trip out there real quickly just to spend some time with him, so trying to figure all that out. Thankfully, I think because uh, I'm a licensed mental health counselor, uh, I can slip around the quarantine. I'll just grab a hold of Governor Cuomo's coattails, and say, it was good enough for you, it was good enough for me, and I won't have to quarantine if I do go to California and come back. 
uh, Mike and Tracy. It's good to see you guys. First time Mike's been with us. Tracy was here in the beginning days of our... Uh, now you got half of a clap. Let's try that again. You guys can clap on this side too. So, um, but Tracy was with us in the very beginning, back in the days when we were meeting in the backyard at the Parsonage. Those were good days. And uh, so I had the privilege of counseling Mike and Tracy online. And the first time I met Mike was at the wedding. And I told him when I saw him, I said, you're a lot better looking in person than you are online. <laughs> so, good to see them still happily married, too. That's always, right, Brian? That's always a good thing. When you do a wedding, you hope that it, you just, Lord, make it stick. So, we had the privilege the other night of watching uh, Karis for VJ and Emily. And all I can say is, told VJ, uh, we can tell who Karis's father is. Because the only way she would be quiet was if she moved. So we moved. I moved everywhere. Rocked her, you know, with small rocks and everything else. And uh, walked around the backyard and moved her around and prayed for them to come back quickly. (laughs) No, we had a great time, actually. It was really fun. She's a real sweetheart. So um, let me begin this morning by telling you a story. On the evening of February 9, 2007, Chris Williams went out for dessert with his wife and their three youngest children. Within the hour, his life would be changed forever. As he and his family drove back home, Chris recalls seeing a car speeding down the hill coming directly toward them. He tried to swerve out of the way, but they were struck with tremendous force by the oncoming car. He recalls hearing the deafening sound of the impact, and once the car had come to a stop, there was deadly silence. As he looked over at his motionless wife in the passenger seat, he knew she was gone. He struggled to turn around to see if his children in the back seat were okay. He looked at his son and daughter, both not moving, and he knew in that instant that they too were also gone. While he couldn't see his other son, he had a feeling he was going to be okay. As he turned back to the front of the car, he looked at his lifeless wife, pregnant with their unborn child. He was numb with shock, unable to process what had just happened. He closed his eyes, feeling helpless and hopeless. The pain was unimaginable, and he wished he could die too. And then he opened his eyes, and he saw the other car that had just hit him. He was suddenly overcome by a strange sense of peace. Despite the horror of the moment, he already knew that he would forgive the other driver. And you may wonder how that happened. The rest of the story is this. The secret to Chris's extraordinary ability to forgive lies in a burden that he had carried throughout his life. One that he he knew Cameron, the driver of the other car, would have to carry too. When Chris was 16 years old, he was driving to work one morning when he struck a young boy who had run into the street. The boy was taken to the hospital. After clinging to life for several days, the boy died. Although there was nothing he could have done to prevent the accident, Chris had been tormented by the boy's death ever since. 
The boy's family was kind toward Chris after the accident, even writing him a letter attempting to resolve him of his guilt. Despite their understanding, Chris still suffered from the guilt of having taken a life. Decades later, when he lost his own family, he instantly felt empathy for Cameron. He knew that he and Cameron would now struggle beneath twin burdens. Chris would carry the grief of losing his wife and children, and Cameron would carry the guilt of having cut those lives short. But from the beginning, Chris found solace in empathy. Their shared burden became a bond between Chris and Cameron that helped each heal as they moved forward. I don't know about you, but I think that it's correct to assume or believe that we are in an environment, in a culture where the need for forgiveness and the understanding of the depth of forgiveness for us and that we need to be able to grant to others is probably greater than it's ever been in a long time, if not forever. The environment we're in is we currently live in requires us to check the depths of our heart to see how deep forgiveness is in our own hearts, how much we understand the forgiveness that we have received from the Father through the Son dying on the cross for us. It's kind of like we're in a place where if you dip the dipstick in uh, to check the oil in your car and you, and you notice there's no oil on the end of the dipstick and you just go, oh, I guess there's no oil on the end of the dipstick and keep driving without checking and making adjustments and filling up the oil and checking why there's a leak. If we don't make sure that we're constantly checking to see what the status of our understanding of forgiveness is, this environment will pulverize us with all that's going on. As Hannah prayed this morning during worship, the culture of the the polarized culture we're in, the conflict, the animosity, all of the things that we're faced with face all of us all of the time with the need to check our own hearts and to see what the oil of forgiveness looks like. The last couple of weeks I've been reminding you what the Spirit of Jesus is like, what Jesus' heart is like. Jesus saying to His disciples and those around Him, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, And if you just come to me, you will find rest for your souls. And Hebrews reminding us that he's the one that is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Because in every respect, he's tempted like we are. And so he's gentle in heart, and he's able to sympathize with us. And so in the same way, as followers of him, we need to be able to look at our hearts and see that it's gentle. So there's a gentleness that comes in our response to people and to situations we find ourselves in. We need to be able to look at our hearts and know that there's this level of sympathy, a depth of sympathy that others don't have. Where we can have a greater understanding for the pain and the hurt that people carry because of things that they've been through and difficulties that are in their life. And as we zero in on the affectionate heart of Jesus we need to have a deeper understanding of the nature of forgiveness. And I would say that the deeper and the more we understand God's forgiveness of us through Jesus Christ, the greater our capacity to extend forgiveness and love to others. Jesus said it Himself. He said, Therefore I tell you, her sins which were many are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. 
So if your understanding of forgiveness is this shallow little level, shallow level of forgiveness, then your ability to grant forgiveness and have empathy and sympathy towards others and be gentle in heart is going to be really shallow. But if like Chris in the story that I read earlier, there's this depth of empathy because you understand how meaningful it is that Jesus has forgiven you, it will increase your ability to have a spirit of forgiveness towards others. I still remember, and I think I've told this story before, I still remember when I went to an altar at eight years old to commit my life to Christ and the pastor was asking me if I believed Jesus died and would forgive me of my sins. And at eight years old, all I remember is this overwhelming sense of the Father's love and tears streaming down my face and just saying, blubbering, just saying, yes, yes, I know He can forgive me of my sins. And I still can't remember all the sins I committed up to the age of eight, but I know they weren't a lot. But I know that His forgiveness impacted me deeply. And I know that all of us need to understand the depth of the Father's forgiveness for us through what His Son has done for us, and we need to attend to it, and we need to nurture it, and make sure that it's deep, that, that we understand it, and it's deeper and deeper in our hearts every day, probably more now than ever before. Corey Ten Boom, who, if you read her story, The Hiding Place, she was one, who, she and her family had hidden Jews while they lived in the Netherlands. And then she and her family were taken to concentration camps after they were caught. And in the concentration camp, she lost her family, she lost her sister. And she was miraculously delivered from the concentration camp. And at one point, there was one of the guards that came to a, a meeting that she was speaking at. And she didn't recognize the guard, and the guard said, you don't remember me, but I know you. I was at the concentration camp where your family was killed. And she had a decision to make at that moment because as she looked at him and she processed all the emotions of that time, she heard the guard ask these words, will you forgive me for what I did to your family? And Corrie Ten Boom's story and testimony all the way to the time of her death was to carry a heart of forgiveness towards those that had treated her family so poorly. And she said, Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It's a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. The cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world around Him, His deepest impulse, instead of running away from it, is to run toward it. He touches the leper. He touches the leper and says, be clean. He travels from town to town and He heals the sick and He sets them free from oppression. He says, bring the sick to Me so I can touch them and bring healing to them. And the greatest act of compassion is when He grants His forgiveness that brings healing to a broken soul. Now, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one of the things that you lose in reading the Gospels in that order is you lose the chronology of events that occurred. In other words, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have their version of the story that, and their, the, what they remember 
but, but there are bits and pieces that happen at different times in different points of order as you look at the story. And it's interesting, if you read a harmony of the Gospels where all the chronological events are lined up in order, the story where Jesus says, my yoke is easy, comes first, and there's a story that comes right after it that gives a contrasting picture of two different rabbis. One rabbi who says, come to me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And another rabbi that has a total different spirit towards a person that comes into his presence. So, let's look at the first one. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Matthew 11, verses 25-30. to And I just want to remind you of the verses at the end. When Jesus, the rabbi, says to all those around him that want to follow, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But then we come to a story that in the harmony of the Gospels, chronologically, actually comes right after those words. And it's over in Luke. So now we go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. And I want to read through the story and then go back and make a few comments. One of the Pharisees, a rabbi, asked, him to, eat, asked to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at, his ta- at a table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have, know, he would know, have known who and what sort of woman this, this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. She gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little and he said to her your sins are forgiven and then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves who is this who even forgives sins and he said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace there's three characters in this story that dominate the stage simon the pharisee jesus and the unnamed woman And Jesus manages to keep his poise 
between the outrageous adoration of the woman and actually the equally outrageous rudeness of the Pharisee. And as we go back and we look at the flow of the story, the host is a Pharisee who presumably was not completely opposed to Jesus, at least not to start with. It says in verse 36 that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come and eat with him. And probably this was like a courtroom, a courtyard where people could come and go. And it was not unusual for people that were uh, coming by that someone would say, come on in, you know, come and join us because of, because of the nature of hospitality, hospitality during that time. And then it says in verse 37 and 38 that this woman comes because she learns Jesus is there and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with tears. The woman at that point is an uninvited guest. And she also does something that no decent woman at that time would do in public. She wipes his feet to start with. Wiping the feet of a man is something that is against the rules, against the law. And secondly, she, while she's kissing his feet, she, she takes her hair down, which no woman in that time would do. So here she is dishonoring the Pharisee, and she's also dishonoring his guest. But then the heart of the Pharisee is revealed. Verse 39 says, The Pharisee who had invited him saw this, and he said, If this man were a prophet, he'd figure this out. And I love this part, verse 40, where Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. How many of you know that if Jesus says, I have something to say to you, it's probably not a good thing? Because then Simon, in his arrogance, says, Go ahead. Go ahead, say it, teacher. And that's when he tells the story of a certain moneylender. And he turns from the religious spirit to this broken sinner. And look at verse 44. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon. So get the picture. Here's Simon. He's talking to Simon. And he tells this story. And then when he asks Simon the question, he turns his back on Simon. And then he begins to speak to the woman. And he says, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? As he's looking at her with affection in his eyes. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. She gave, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with ointment. And then he reveals the depth of forgiveness. Because therefore, I tell you, he says, her sins which are many are forgiven, but he who's forgiven little loves little. And I can imagine that Jesus put his hand on her head and he said, be forgiven and go and sin no more while Simon behind him stands there with his mouth agape. N.T. Wright in his commentary on this story says, For Luke, true faith is what happens when someone looks at Jesus and discovers God's forgiveness and the sign and proof of His love. 
I have a question for you. Who do people see when they look at us? Who should people see? And obviously the answer, hopefully, is they should see Jesus. And if they are seeing Jesus, what they should be discovering is God's forgiveness and the sign and the proof of His love. And I want to tell you what the practical implication of these verses should be to all of us. First of all, we should be impacted by the depth of His forgiveness. And if you haven't visited the nature of His forgiveness for you, I encourage you this week to spend time asking Him to remind you what it cost Him to go to the cross. Take some time to think about, read through the Gospels, read the account of Jesus going to the cross and dying for you and me in order to obtain for us the forgiveness that we so desperately need in the Father. But look at the words that Paul writes as he describes the depth of our forgiveness in Ephesians chapter 1. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. Can I encourage you this week to ask the Father to once again just take and pour His forgiveness on you over and over again. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and on earth. Could I suggest to you that the understanding of what God wants to do with our lives, the revelation of His will, the revealing of His calling out of our lives, the key that opens the door to all of that is the forgiveness that we receive in Jesus Christ when the Father pours His love upon us. So first of all, we need to be impacted by the depth of His forgiveness just like this woman, this unknown woman was that day in the Pharisee's house. The second thing is we need to learn to not only receive His forgiveness, but we need to learn more about granting forgiveness to others. I mean, there's no doubt there are some people out there right now that you and I would just as soon not forgive. Whether it's in our own lives, whether it's some reporter that we watch on the news that makes another stupid comment that aggravates us, But as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to let come out of the depth of our understanding of His forgiveness to learn how to extend His forgiveness to others. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I tried something this week that I'm going to suggest to you. Every time I complained about a situation caused by other people, or complain specifically about another person, whether it was my wife, whether it was my daughter, whether it was my future son-in-law, 
I didn't complain about any of them at all, so this doesn't count. No, whether it was a news reporter, whether it was a situation that I was watching and it caused me a sense of distress, every time I complained, I used that as an opportunity to check my spirit and see if I had forgiveness in my heart. Because, brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus, the first thing that should come out of our mouth is forgiveness, not complaining, not bitterness, not revenge, not punishment. But we should come with a spirit of grace because we are the carriers of a spirit of grace. And so, first of all, we're impacted by the depth of His forgiveness and we learn to extend His forgiveness to others. But let me give you some other things as I get ready to finish up. The story that I read to you this morning came out of a really good book that I got a few weeks ago that is just filled with all these different stories about forgiveness. So what I want to encourage you to do is read stories about those that have overcome the unforgivable. Or watch stories. We were, Kathy and I were watching a story the other day of a friend we've told you about before that went to school with our oldest son. And his, he and his wife were... Uh, hit by a, a drunk driver and their car exploded into flames and his wife died and perished in the, in the accident and Jared experienced burns on 75-80% to 80% of his body. Now he goes and he gives speeches at, at uh, uh, army bases and different, different facilities, high schools and so on and he tells the story of how in the courtroom he had to stand and express forgiveness to the man that had, in a time of driving drunk, had killed his wife. Take time to read those kinds of stories because there are so many people out there that have gone through circumstances way worse than any of us have gone through. And somehow, through the grace and mercy of God, we can be inspired. If they can do it, we can do it too. The second thing is pay attention to your self-talk. When you're questioning the forgiveness of Christ in your own life, when you're expressing a sense of shame and you're having problems with your own sense of identity, then read stories in the Gospels like the one we studied today. Read passages like I read out of Ephesians and Colossians and remind yourselves and, and just wash over your minds and your hearts and nurture your soul with those words that are the truth rather than the things that sometimes we believe. And then finally, as I said earlier, when you find yourself complaining about circumstances or people, use it as an opportunity to check the dipstick on your heart and pull it out. And if there's no forgiveness on the end of it, then you need to take some time and find out where the problem is and find your way back to the Father. So what I want you to do this morning is I want you to bow your heads for a moment. And I'm pretty sure I'm not alone. I'm pretty sure that every one of us this, this week has had situations where we've gotten cross, we've brooded on anger in our heart, And what we have right now 
in our heart is unresolved conflict, unresolved bitterness. That I believe the Lord wants to make sure is washed out of our hearts right now so that we carry the Spirit of Jesus wherever we're at. We all know that we are in a culture, we are in a, a time unlike any other time where people need the grace and mercy and love of Jesus more than ever before. And what a great opportunity for the church to be the church. And so I want to pray for all of us, Father, right now that you would help us to deal with the things that are in our hearts. And anything that does not represent, well, any, anything in us that would allow us to be like the Pharisee that was so critical of Jesus, we ask that you would wash it out of our hearts even now. Because we do not want that to be in our hearts. We don't want to have the heart of a Pharisee. We don't want a religious spirit. But we want to carry a spirit of forgiveness. And we want to represent the true rabbi, Jesus Christ. So help us to do that this morning, Lord. Help us to do that through the week. Help us especially do that with our families. Help us to do that especially with our brothers and sisters in our churches. But help us to be an example to those around us as we carry the spirit of forgiveness and the depth of your forgiveness for us as we carry it to others as well. We pray in your name. And everybody said, Amen.